You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Praise the Lord. We may be seated. Okay, so we're having purpose convos right this month of December. So I'm just going to lend my own bit to the conversation. I'll do my best not to preach a sermon. Just share with you um, what, is, what has been my life. I mean, past P.I. mentioned to just speak from my heart, and that's what I'm going to do. Good to see family. Good to see friends. Good to see friends. Good to see everyone around. Thank God. Thank God. All right. In John chapter 1, let's just lay foundation talking about purpose. John chapter 1. You know, I was born into a Muslim family, very Muslim. Okay. And I had just one dream in life to be the youngest Al-Haji. That was my dream. There was nothing else. I mean, yeah, that was... and. God had an experience with Paul, so he knew he couldn't repeat it with me. So he had to get me quick. I mean, and I'm not kidding you, I would be blowing up churches if I were not born again. And and that's how radical I am with whatever I believe. I go to extremes. I mean, if I believe this, this is what I believe. And so, I mean, I, I mean, imagine how big I look right now at this age of my life with three kids. Imagine how big I look. Okay, so imagine how big I looked. Then I beat up, I beat up Christians. I'm telling you, in primary school, you mentioned Jesus beside me, I will slap you. I mean, that was how radical I was. Um, the day I gave my life to Christ, I remember. Um, <laughs> it, it was a meeting like this, three, three nights. First day, evangelist S.A. Adekola, I don't know, I mean, he's in the bathroom or something like that, came in for the meeting, preached. And people came out, they gave their hearts to the Lord. Second day, people came out. Third day, all the sinners had finished. Everybody was saved. So, my friend, I don't know how many of you know him, Ambassage is he's a recording artist. Ambassage, I mean, we grew up in the same church. So we're sitting at the back, and you know all those bad children that would sit down at the back, just watching the service going on. My father had given his life. To, you know yourself, right? Eh? <laughs> my father had given his life to Christ at that point, but I was the last to be saved in my family. I was not going to be saved. For what? I mean, for what? Where are we going to? You know, so <laughs> I used to taunt my brother, dear God. And so this day, the third day, nobody came out. So the man gave the altar call. I don't know if you've seen preachers like that. They give word of knowledge, word from knowledge. Nobody is moving. <laughs> so the guy was frustrated. I looked at my friend, we looked at ourselves, I said, this guy go frustrate. That's what we said. So let's go out. So both of us, little rascals, <laughs> just came to the front of the church. Whether the man knew by the spirit or by just looking at our face, he knew we were not serious. He looked, <laughs> I kid you not, he looked at both of us and he said, both of you, I know you are not serious. He said, but nobody ever offers a prayer to God and he does not answer. He said, so you're making a mistake, but this mistake will mark you. We looked at, we laughed. He said, look at this guy. <laughs> me that I was going back to steal my mother's meat. <laughs> so he said, say after me. Say after me. Say after me. So we said everything. My mother was seated somewhere in the crowd. We got home. My mother looked at me. She said, you went out. I said, yes, mommy. Now understand this. Some months before then, I had broken bottle to kill my brother. 
I'm just trying to tell you. So when we're talking about purpose, I can tell you purpose. <laughs> Do you understand? I mean, I looked at my mother. I said, it's not possible that you gave birth to me. And that's, that was how wild I was. And so I remember that my mother looked at me and she said, if you can be saved, even Satan has hope. My mother. Not my adopted mother. My mother. That's what my mother said to me. She said, if you can be saved, Satan has hope in this life. I looked at her and said, I was not saved. <laughs> we're, just, we're just joking. You know, I mean, and look at where we are today. I mean, I'm pastoring a church. In fact, our landlady, years back, she heard that I was a pastor. She said, yeah, 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 yeah. Are you is deceiving them? <laughs> that's what my life. I'm telling you the truth. She said, if it's Okpe, that's my other brother. She said, ah, Okpe was the pastor. He said, this one. Ah, God. So I've come to deceive you people today, all right? You people will chop the deceive. John chapter 1 from verse 1. Let's just look at this here. John chapter 1 verse 1. So I want to share with you what has worked. I want to share with you the word of God. Some of you grew up in Christian families, so you didn't have choice but to be Christian. Some of us, we did not grow up in Christian family. So we had a choice and a choose. All right, John, John chapter 1 from verse 1. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word. Can we read together? Is that fine? Okay, good. One to go. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Let's read verse 3. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. All right, so first things first is this. It says, in the beginning was the word. We're talking about purpose, right? And the word was with God, the power of purpose, it says, and the word was God. So he gives us the character of God. The word, um, word there is the Greek word logos, which means um, where you get the word logic from, you get intelligence from. So he introduces us to an intelligent God. You know, sometimes we feel that God is all, I mean, you know, because I mean, we emphasize the supernatural in this part of the world. And sometimes we de-emphasize the fact that the Bible says that in the beginning was the word. And what you have translated there refers to an intelligent God. In fact, if you read it very well, this word was not a theological term. It wasn't used in the Sahendrins or the um, temples of those days. It was borrowed by John from popular culture. I mean, um, it wasn't something that you'll hear the priests say. It wasn't something you hear the Pharisees say. John was the one who introduced it into the New Testament. And he got it from the philosophers of those days. It wasn't, I mean, and when I say the philosophers, it wasn't the Christians, it wasn't the people who were born again. The um, intelligent guys of the society. That's where he got it from. And he was saying to them that you guys are saying that this world definitely must have um, some form of intelligence behind it. Look at the movement of the sun, the stars, everything. There's got to be a higher being somewhere. It's like in the book of Acts where he says that um, um, it, I, I, one of your poets did say to the unknown God, you know, he says, I saw an inscription, um, in him we live, we move, and have our being. And so it was the same thing with John. John was talking to them, and he said, what you guys are referring to as the Logos is actually God. This higher being that you guys don't know who he is, let me introduce him to you. He's Jesus. His name is Jesus. I mean, he was talking about Jesus at that point. But here's what I want to establish. If God um, is an intelligent God, it must mean that there's a sense of purpose and plan behind every of his creation. 
I mean, if he's an intelligent God, if there's an intelligent being behind everything that we see today in the world, there must be purpose, there must be a plan behind it. And that's why we can confidently say that for every single one who comes into this world, there is a purpose over your life. Now, you don't create something without um, having a purpose for it, right? Like somebody actually said, I mean, he said, um, the idea of purpose um, presupposes, the idea of a creator presupposes that there's purpose. The idea that somebody created you means that he had a reason in mind for creating you. And what we're going to do this month of December, Pastor P.I. has mentioned, is you're going to go on a journey helping you discover what this thing is. I can tell you um, for free that for the most part, many people have gotten into more trouble by some of the things they've heard about purpose. For example, somebody's going to say to you, well, you have to go see God's face for three days and three nights. And then you will have a special manifestation from God and then you will know what your purpose is. If you count 100 people who know their purpose, maybe only one got it that way. And so that's not the primary way you find purpose. What is purpose? How do you discover purpose? How do you walk in purpose? That's the question that must be answered. How do you know exactly why you are here? I think that's the biggest question for every one of us. We want to know exactly why we are here. How did I move from being that angry, radical, young Muslim to pastoring a church today? How on earth did that happen? How did I find myself in the center of what God wants me to do? And that's possible for everybody. That's possible. You know, it's been discovered that money does not satisfy. How many of you know that? That money does not satisfy. Neither does um, engaging in all the vices of this world. They don't satisfy. Have you realized that some of the um, suicides that you've had of recent have been by some of the people that people look up to? If they, I mean, somebody would say, if I just had his life, I'll be fine. If I, just, if I could just be as influential as such and such, if I just had the kind of money that she has, I'll, I'll be fine. You see, none of this satisfies. The only thing that satisfies you is the reason you were created. And so regardless of the money that you make, regardless of the exposure that you have, regardless of the influence, regardless of all of that, at the end of the day, there's a God-sized void in the heart of every man that can only be filled by God himself. And that's why it's important we study the scriptures to know exactly why are we here? What is the reason for our existence? Why, do you, why were you born? Why do you live today? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, let's establish a few things. I heard Brother Hagin Jr. say something. He said sometimes the best way to tell what a thing is is by telling what it's not. Sometimes the best way to define a thing is by defining what it's not. And I feel that for, for the most part, a lot of people have defined purpose um, um, in the wrong ways. And you know, once your definition is wrong, your pursuit is wrong. And that's why we're going to redefine it this morning. Number one, I want you to write this down. These are some, going to be some of the most revolutionary thoughts you've heard before, but it's fine. You don't have to agree with it at the first, but it's okay. Number one is this. We don't seek purpose. Purpose seeks us. That's important. We don't seek purpose. Purpose seeks us. Let's take examples from the scripture. Joseph, for example, there was never a time in the life of Joseph that Joseph went to God to ask God, what do you want my life to be? Somebody says Joseph had a dream. Did he pray for the dream? 
Did Joseph seek the face of God to say, okay, God, what is it exactly? And I always give this example that if you study the life of Joseph, remember the dreams of Joseph, right? The dreams that he had. Now, if you were the best interpreter at, um, available at that point in time, what will be your interpretation of the dreams of Joseph? Let, let's do this. Quick Bible trivia. What was the first dream of Joseph? How many of us remember? What was the first dream Joseph had? <laughs> you are reminding me of secondary school or primary school. One times one. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Once you just get to... F I never understood. I mean, I thought they were on serious people. How can you climb all of us up, stand up and say six times six, seven, six, seven? What's the meaning of that? I never said it. So in the kind of, I'll just be saying, it. all right, so if you know, <laughs> don't give me those things. If you know the dream of Joseph, somebody just say it out loud. What's the first dream of Joseph? Huh? Okay, let me help you. Something shall was bowing down. You remember? Yeah. They were, hey, now that's it. Now just say bow down. You'll be right. Okay. <laughs> All right. So if you remember the dream of Joseph, there were two of the dreams he had. In fact, there was a second one. And remember that the Bible says Joseph and Joseph dreamed again, right? And if you hear motivational preachers, they'll say things like, dream again, right? So Joseph went to sleep. He said, dream again. Then God gave him dream, right? Calm down. <laughs> I mean, you know, there, there are lots of things that passes. You have to read the scripture and understand it for yourself. The first dream, if you read both dreams, both of them said the same thing. If you interpret both dreams by the best that you can interpret it, what you would have said was that all of his brothers will be subject to him. And in the context of what was happening in that house, the, he, would, he would inherit the family business. That's the best you could have interpreted it. There was no Egypt in that dream. How on earth do you, I mean, how do you say a sheep bowed and you say that, oh, the sheep bowing is the sheep that comes from Egypt. How do you explain that? How do you explain that? But inside that was Egypt. How do you explain that? You know, I always tell people, think of Esther. Now, maybe many of us have not really read the story of Esther before. Ahasuerus, the king, one day was having a nice time. And you know when people begin to drink, they begin to see three poof. The guy was, I mean, all of his friends, all of them were having a happy time. They were just, and then next they said, call Vashti. Let her come and perform here. And Vashti said, what's going on? I'm not in the mood. It's not every time I perform. In the Bible says that Ahasuerus, in just, I mean, as it were, it wasn't something he even thought through. He said, depose this woman and get me another queen. Now, they looked, think about it. I want you to think deeply about this. They looked through town, and they put out message, the posters. The king is looking for a wife. Everybody come for beauty pageant. And then the news gets to one girl. Let's use Nigeria as an example. Your president wants a new wife. Okay? No, you people should calm down now. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's doing you people. What do you mean by Obama? Okay, Trump. <laughs> ah, what's going on? Hey, you people be careful. Immigration. All right, so. <laughs> but they ask, what's the name of your church? It says, it's Life Point. You people said, no, you are not committed. <laughs> so here's the point. Whatever it is, whoever you choose, wants a wife. And they put out the information that wife for the king, wife for the king. One man in Oshun State, or Abakaliki, hears that the king wants a wife. He remembers that he has a small niece who cannot even speak good English, has tribal mark. 
when she's speaking, she says, Iskon. That's the way she speaks. The man said, it did not mean anything, it's tongues. The man, the man says, come follow me. Let us go and apply for this thing. Remember, Esther did not even know anything was happening. It was Mordecai who heard and came to tell her, how do you, you know, because there are people who say, I want you, and I'm going to show you the place of planning. But planning does not precede what God shows you. You must understand this. How do you plan yourself to be the queen if you met Esther and said to her that Esther, dream big. The biggest dream was to be number six wife in a big house considering the culture. That was the biggest dream. It was impossible that it would enter into her mind that someday she was going to sit on the throne. I want you to see how powerful this is. Even the king did not know what tribe she was from. He didn't know that she was a captive, a slave. How do you, de how do you decide these things? Yet that was the purpose of God. So was it Esther seeking purpose? Was it Joseph seeking purpose? Was it Daniel seeking to be prime minister? Or was it their purpose that found them out? I'm going somewhere with this. So you begin to understand the place that your relationship with God plays in this. Because it is, listen, it is almost impossible for you to stand in the ambits of his will for your life without a solid relationship with him. And when I say solid relationship, I'm not talking about anything spooky. I'm going to show you here. So number one here is this, is that purpose does what? Seeks you. So what is the most important thing? Faithfulness in the now. Whatever your hand finds to do now. There are too many people asking, what do you want me to do? And they are not doing what they should be doing now. There are too many people asking, where, where do you want me to go? And they are not serving faithfully where they are now. I gave an example, P.I. Think about it, sir. Have you heard people say things like, end time, well, transfer. The only the thing I wanted to be in this life was a preacher. In fact, when this brother came and gave me this toy, I said, Kai, this is the preacher's toy. Mm. <laughs> if you know preachers, that's where the sweat is. It's really at the back of the neck. Teachers, is it here? <laughs> Praise God. I mean, I always wanted to be, because I love preachers. You, go, you know, the end time will transfer. Let's be serious. Now, here's the point. You hear them say things like, you know, God is converting the wealth of the wicked to the righteous. Sir, which wealth have you received from the wicked? You've been prophesying for 10 years. Amen. The wealth of the wicked. The only example you have is when Israel collected the wealth of Egypt, right? The Bible says the night before they were to leave, God said to Israel, you go to every Egyptian, your neighbor, and collect all that it is that you want from them. And so people say this, that, oh, the wealth of the wicked will be transferred to the righteous. Here's the mistake we make. In Exodus, the first chapter, it tells us that it was Israel that made Egypt rich. He says that Israel built Ramses and Piton, the treasure houses for Egypt. So when they went to meet the Egyptians to collect from them, they were collecting their thing. So Israel left only as rich as they had made Egypt rich. If you are not faithful now, you will live tomorrow poor. And this is the mistake we make. So somebody could have been grumbling while he was making brick and mortar, not knowing it was his brick and mortar. 
Somebody could have been grumbling while he was giving them bread and saying, oh, can you imagine? I'm just a slave. I'm just a captive here. Not knowing that whatever is done in faithfulness, listen, life compounds. Never forget this. Stop looking for a brick break. This is the mistake people are making. We are looking for one big break. And then we say, you know, I've entered my purpose. Ah, I now know. <laughs> we're, looking, we're looking for that one big break. But understand the way this world works. Life compounds. Every step compounds. And so the first thing in the pursuit of purpose is to be faithful where you are. If you're a janitor, be a faithful janitor. Do you understand this? If you're a laundryman, be a faithful laundryman. <laughs> you know, one brother, you know, and I think your hospitality team is out of this world. Ah, I slept. I slept, I woke up. Ah, I said, is this still my body? Ah, fantastic, I'm telling you the truth. Fantastic. So I was talking with a brother, and he said, he's a creative something, something, account something. Ah. The thing confused me a bit. So here's the point. I mean, the joke here is this. I mean, so I thought he meant he was being creative with accounts. So be faithful with accounts. Do you understand what I'm saying? Whatever it is that you do, be faithful. I'm not looking at the person. Be faithful where you serve. Whatever it is that you're doing. Follow me or you do. Be faithful. It's not follow me. Be faithful where you serve. So the first step is this. Purpose, we don't seek purpose. Purpose seeks us. It finds you in the place of service. Do you understand this? Now, let me say this to you. How many of you know that David never in his mind thought that there was a man called Goliath? If you ask David, in all of the visions he saw, he never saw Goliath. And he wasn't even at the battlefront at that point. Do you realize that the only reason David met Goliath was because his father said, go and give food to your brothers? This was the man who had been anointed king. Me? Anointed king, carrying food to brethren, they are not serious. Imagine that he wasn't faithful, you know, and this is the problem. Imagine that he wasn't faithful with the little that he was supposed to do, and he carried food faithfully to go and give the brothers. He would not have heard what Goliath said. He would not have been steered. He would not have had the conversation with Saul. He would not have picked the sling and the stones. He would not have killed Goliath. Do you understand what I'm saying here? It was in that place of faithfulness that purpose met him. Well, many of us want to see Goliath. And then we say we have found purpose. <laughs> Glory to God. Are you still with me? Yes, so number one thing is what? Be faithful where you serve. Be faithful with what you do. Very important. Stay there. Stay there. Too many people are looking for a big break and they are not being faithful with what they should be doing right now. Number two, and I want you to write this down, is that purpose is more of an unfolding path than a rigid plan. Purpose is more of an unfolding path than a rigid plan. It is, I love the way somebody said it, and this blessed me a great deal, is that it is what, what's left after all your plans have fallen apart. Wait, how many of you, sincerely speaking, you knew you were going to be here where you are now? You heard the lady who came out sharing her experience. Did she know that BBC would call her? 
she knew, she was like, you know, I know BBC is going to call me. I know channel. Have you found out that it's the people that know BBC will call them that they never call? You've, not, you've never noticed? I know channels will call me channels. <laughs> channels. Channels. Channels will call me. Channels. Channels will call me. BBC, CNN, they'll call me Forbes. I will make the pages of Forbes. Have you found out? Let me tell you this. Eh? This whole thing of if you can dream it, you can beat. Calm down. It does not you be frustrated. Just calm down. I wish you just calm down. If you can dream it, you can beat. If you can dream it, you can beat. You can beat. You can beat. I will. I'll be on Forbes list. You. You have. You see. Since when you've been saying it. <laughs> but every uh, check it. Everyone who comes out to say, you know, I got a call. They will first say that. Ah. I was wondering, is he 419? Is he real? Why do you think that's the case? Because many a times, you just find yourself trust into something that your spirit was ready for, but your mind had not caught up with. Are you following what I'm saying here? So we must understand this, that your purpose is more of an unfolding plan, much more an unfolding part much more than just a rigid plan. That is why every season of contradiction, this is important, every adversity, every challenge you face, those are some of the most precious moments of your life. The point where it looks like it is not going the way I want it to go. Actually, this is what I've discovered, that the door into purpose at the point where it is not going like you want it to go. The door into purpose, when you're going to step into the things that God has for you, at those moments where you say, you are saying to yourself, this is not where I should be. This is not the way I thought it should go. This is not how I thought it will go. At those points, those seasons of contradiction, those seasons of adversity, those are some of your best moments possible. Are you hearing this? Very important. Now remember this, that it was when Moses fled Egypt because he thought that this is what I'm supposed to, do, to be doing that God met him at the burning bush. It was when he fled. In fact, there's a story. Pastor, Genesis 29. Can we quote Genesis 29, 11 together? If, if you, if, I mean, all of us know that verse. In one form or the other. For I know the thoughts that I have towards you. Jeremiah 29, 11, yeah. For I know the thoughts. Is that not what I said? Did I say Shelemiah? Yeah? I said Genesis. No. Ask <laughs> me of that. It's not me that said what I said. Ask me of that. I said I said Genesis. You want to, you want to disgrace this pastor? Jeremiah. <laughs> Jeremiah twenty-nine eleven. You know you can't catch a pastor. If the thing, if the healing did not happen, the pastor will say, "As you are going, keep faith alive." <laughs> One day, you know I trained as a doctor at College of Medicine. So there was this girl. There's this girl, we knew she was full of one spirit that was not the Holy Spirit. We knew. Kai, let me tell you another story. I'll come back to this one. Please remind me. Please remind me. I must tell you this other story, but this other one. When I was in secondary school, I was, I was not a serious person. My brother was prayer secretary, became president of the fellowship. But his own brother, he would drag me to fellowship. When I see that he's there and they've entered spirits, I'll look at my friend. We used to call ourselves Tom and Jerry. This was body house. I was telling my wife, I'll send my children to Bonnie. She said, <laughs> and she said, God forbid. I said, they must go. That experience. So we go into the bush. You know what they call Awe? That you people by one be plucking it. Plucking it. 
So he had this girl he liked. Who is the small one, Tom or Jerry? Which one is small? Jerry. Okay, so me, I was Jerry. He was Tom. I was the bigger one. He may even be in this church now. I don't even know. So, so he had this girl he liked. So one day we are going to pluck. Then we came back into the fellowship. We're just there hearing voices on the other corner. I'm not coming out. I'm coming out. I've had a covenant for 450 years. I said, ah, that's Bumi's voice. I looked at Tom. I said, ah. I said, they've caught you finally. So here's where I'm going to. Those were my serious days. Now, at this point, I had gotten serious. University of Lagos, College of Medicine, pastor of a fellowship. So they said, there's this girl that needs deliverance. So I said, let's go. So if you know College of Medicine, the School of Nursing field, very big field. So I said, come out. I started dancing. <laughs> I, I kid you not, she started dancing. I looked at her. I told my friends, I said, I don't have time for this one. I said, you'll be casting out. So I sat at one corner. After 30 minutes, so I went back. I said, ah, what's going on here? So I said, come out. Then she looked at me. She said, you small rat. I said, God. <laughs> you know, the Bible says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, which means you'll be tempted to wrestle flesh and blood. I had stretched my hand to hook her up. <laughs> then I remembered, it's the demon. It's not her. I looked at her. I said, <laughs> so here's where I'm going to. We're coming back. One guy looks at us at the block four car park. If you know College of Medicine, he said, ha, ah, men of God. He said, you look like you're coming from the battlefield. <laughs> the only thing I did not say was waka. I said, what do you, what do you matter? So here's where I'm going to start. So what I'm saying is you can't catch. I wanted to tell you how you can't catch a pastor. So when we knock, we could not cast the demon out. Let me just tell you the truth. He did not come out. <laughs> not come out. The thing was just dancing gala. <laughs> so when we could knock. <clears throat> so this life, you must know how to, how to enjoy yourself. So when we could not cast it out. I could see the sign of this pastor. Do you understand that? When your lieutenants are disappointed, <laughs> that even the old man of God cannot cast out. So I looked at them. I said, it's her name. It's her name. There's a covenant in that name. <laughs> the days of ignorance, God has forgiven us. <laughs> So here's where I'm going to. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts that I have to what you thought of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end, right? So all of us will come. For I know some of you will even sing the song. I'm even sure that in life point, people have song like that because I was just enjoying the groove people were given. I mean, I'm sure there's one song like that. I know the thoughts I have to go and read the context. Prophets had come to tell Israel that, listen, by this time tomorrow you're out of here. They were in captivity. God has delivered you. You're coming out of this place with wealth. Then Jeremiah came and said, don't let them lie to you. You are not going anywhere. 70 years extra. That's what Jeremiah said. He said, now, see how deep this is. Jeremiah said, go and marry. Do you know what it means to go and marry? He said, build house. Do you know what it means to build house? Then Jeremiah, when he finished, he said, there's 70 years extra. He says, for God knows the thought he has towards you. How can you say that? do you say that we should stay in captivity? And you say that the thoughts I have towards you are thoughts of good, of peace, none of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Hear this and never forget it. Purpose crystallizes in adversity. There are too many people running away from it. The, some of the strongest healing ministers around the world came from sickness. Go check it. 
always crystallizes from the crucible of adversity, challenges. So you don't start asking, why me? Okay, if, you see, when I hear that question, it annoys me. Someone says, why me? Why me? Who should it be? Should it be P.I.? Why? Okay, who? Say, why me? Why me? Why did they bomb me inside this kind of family? Why me? Why me? Why did they? Why did they? Okay, who? Who? He said, why me? Why is it me that they sack? Who? Who should they sack? The other person? It's like the person that comes to the church and says, let us give God praise and thank God because we are not on the hospital bed now. We want to thank God. Okay, so you are giving praise because somebody is on the hospital bed. Why do we like witchcraft in Africa? Stop asking the question, why me? Ask, what is in it for me? Are you hearing what I'm saying here? You will find out that some of the greatest directions in your life will come from those points where it's as though your back has hit the wall. And then your eyes is turned to God in prayer and God begins to show you his way for your life, his path for you. Glory to God. So what was the first thing I said? I said, I'm just sharing with you, just basic conversations with you. Basic conversations. Number one is this, is that we don't seek purpose. Purpose seeks us. Number two is purpose is more of an unfolding plan path than a rigid plan. Let me tell you another story. I, I said I just wanted to tell stories because it will bless you. Acts chapter 16, if you study it for yourself. There was a man, his name was Paul. How many of you know Paul? If you don't know Paul. Paul, Paulo. You know Paulo. Apostle Paulo. Good. Solid guy. So one day, Paul, and you know Paul, Paul <laughs> you know there are people that can see. Paul was one of those guys who say, ah, I had a revelation. Whether in the body or out of the body, I'm sure time, Timothy will go, mm-hmm, he has started. <laughs> you know, I mean, because Timothy never saw no revelation. He said, just be teaching. Just be teaching. So Paul comes and he says, we are going to Bithynia. And then he says, ah, the Holy Spirit is saying no. Then he says, let's go here. And he says, the Holy Spirit forbade us. Then in the middle of the night, hear this story very well. The Bible says that a man from Macedonia, you remember the story? And Macedonia was a colony in Philippi. It's like said, a man from Ikeja. Ikeja is inside Lagos. Do you understand? So he says, a man from Macedonia um, appeared to me and said, come. He says, a man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, come over to help us. First things first. When he got to Macedonia, he did not meet Manu. His woman he met. Go and read the story. The woman were praying by the water side. But that's another story for another day. The Bible says that he said, so he gathered from this that we should go to Macedonia and preach the gospel to them, right? Now, remember that previously, it's as though he says, I want to go to so-so and so to preach. The Holy Spirit said no. I want to go to so-so and so to preach. The Holy Spirit said no. Then the Lord gave him a vision. And now he says to Macedonia, do you remember where they ended up in Macedonia? Prison. Paul and Silas, they pray, they sang. He's from Macedonia. Some of you don't connect it. You just read the prayer, they pray, they sang. No, it's from Macedonia. As, as he followed <laughs> what he saw, he ended up in prison with stocks and chains. Think about, I want to show you where the plans of God comes from. If you were Paul or you were Silas, first things, if you were Silas, what would you say? Hey, for no. <laughs> The head that wears the crown, it's not, it's not being so. Polo, polo. First you say man, you saw man. Now man you see, it's <laughs> woman we met. <laughs> Go ahead. I mean, and then we have followed you now. See where we are, inside prison. 
They beat. See, you, some of you think this is a joke. They beat nonsense, shit and trash. Then they put them inside stockings. Then the Bible says at midnight, Paul began to pray. Paul and Silas began to pray. He says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. And they were singing. You know, when you start singing hymns, it has reached there. <laughs> you know, all these young people are singing. What are these young these quiet people are singing? You people are singing, you are gyrating. It has not reached. When you reach, <laughs> oh, Lord, to down, you enter some realms. <laughs> so the Bible says, <laughs> The Bible says, and the prisoners were listening to them. In essence, the kind of song they were singing, people could not join it. You know that kind of song? Yeah. Where people are just watching it, ah, God will help you. <laughs> hey, God will help you. God will help you. Here's where I'm going to. They were here because he thought God sent him there, right? Shouldn't he have gone to the other place? Do you realize that he could have gone to the other place? Nothing would have happened. Preached a good message. And they would say, ah, this is God. But in this place, this is where I'm going to. The church that was birthed from this place is the Philippian church. Later on, Paul would say, no other church communicated with me. They were his strongest partners in ministry. So much so that he said he robbed them to do service to other churches. If they were looking at step one to step two, he would have thought this was wrong. He would have said this adversity, if I were in the will of God, it should not be happening. But inside your adversity, purpose is being formed. Are you following what I'm saying? And that's why you never judge what is right or wrong because of the challenge of the pain you are facing. You don't. So you don't ask, why me? You ask, what is in here for me? Okay, they just sacked you. you ask, now you have carried all of your paper looking for all the connects. Why don't you just step back? And ask, what is going on here? And then suddenly you find out that a new path unfolds before you that you never thought of before. I can assure you there are things you will be doing that is in the plan of God for your life that you have no idea of right now. Some of you, you are wearing tie. Is this farm you will farm last, last? You just don't know. You are still wearing tie. Continue. Continue. It's farm you will farm last, last. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You see, the goal is not necessarily finding purpose. The goal is following God. In his light, we see light. This is the mistake we should not make. In his light, we see light. As you follow, you know. Are you following what I'm saying as you follow, you know. And some of, let me tell you, let me tell you a bit of, um, of our story. Um, when my wife and I were going to get married, the Lord had told me, he said, sometime in your work, you will have to, clo- you'll have to leave everything and go into a new virgin territory. And I said this for those that have a sense of, of ministry in their hearts. And I didn't know what the Lord was saying. You know, when God talks like that, oh, no, Allah, no, as long as it's not now, let's continue. So I told my wife and I said, is it fine by you? She said, that's fine. So the Lord began to stay in my nest. This was three years ago, and he said, it's time to move. Now, understand this. If you have pioneered a church, and finally God gives you what they call breakthrough, <laughs> you will sit down. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. I mean, <laughs> if 
family is here. <laughs> Let me tell you, when I got married, all right? Because the Lord told me, he said, full time. Now, understand, is this why you must follow God for yourself? Full time and all rest and all rest. I, there was, I didn't have a salary. I didn't have nothing. My wife and I decided to get a house close to their house, her parents' house, so that once the parents go out, she wants steal food stuff for us. That's, I'm telling the truth, to eat in the house. So you know when God starts blessing you, that blessing is usually sweet like that. So the Lord said to me, he said, it's time to up. I said, all right, no problem. Then he said to me, he said, you're going to do it the same way you did the first work. I said, which way? Because <laughs> I knew what he meant. He said, you're not going to take a dime from nobody and from no church. I said, there are two churches in Lagos. We are fine. Don't tell me that one. God said, you're not taking a dime. You're going to start it off by faith again. This was after 10 years in ministry. This was just last January. So I was going into a city where I knew only two people. The two of them were not even going to come to our church because they had become leaders in another ministry. So I knew that, oh, yo. Now let me make it, let me show you, so you'd see the plan of God. Let me say this to you. No matter what you plan for yourself, it will never be as beautiful as what God has planned for you. Never. It's impossible. This thing called white and gray matter cannot conjure a plan as beautiful as God's foolishness. It's impossible. Which means God in his folly is wiser than your wisdom. I didn't understand what was going on. And the Lord, the Lord said every single thing you had, and I'm sharing this with you so that you understand this. Every single thing you have, he says, give it out. The car, the house as it was. We gave somebody enter into the house. My wife gave three-fourths of her clothes out, all of my clothes out, everything. The only thing I was not giving out was what belonged to the children. And it was a pact I had with the Lord. They will come to the age of accountability and choose what they want to do. Nobody will say that because of their pastor, they suffered, their father being a pastor. That's what I said. And that's the only thing we did not touch. So I remember I had gone to a lady in the church and I said to her, I said, you see, this is what the Lord has said. And they had a, a duplex in Abuja and I said, we're going to stay here for three months. In three months, I'm sure that my faith would have kicked in. God would have delivered us from this thing. The day we were to fly, flight was 4 p.m., sir. 12 noon, she called. She said, Pastor, I'm so sorry. You can't go into this place. She said, there are people living there. I looked at my wife. I said, are we going? In fact, my wife could not tell her folks that we're going to plant a church. She said, we are going on holiday. The holiday has continued you now. Now, here's where I'm going to. When we started, we had only two people that I knew of. In less than 18 months, what it took us nine years to do, 10 years to do in Lagos, has been done in 18 months in the city of Abuja. Now, if I were following my mind, if I were following my thoughts, if I were following my plans, I wouldn't be here today. In essence, I could not have conceived the possibility of this but in his light, we see light. Are you following this here? This is so important. I can tell you stories upon stories. How that it is not so much of you trying to look for that big break ascertaining something as the little steps compounding, following every little step, and those little steps compound to become what God wants you to be. Are you following what I'm saying here? Now let me give you a third point. And I'll wrap up on this. Let me give you a third point. Now, like I said before, following, following purpose or um, seeking out the purpose of God for your life really is about making the right choices. The right choices. Now, and I, I, want, to, I, want, to, I want to explain it this way to you. In John chapter 1 that we read, 
um, and this is important, an important thought for you. John chapter 1 that we read, he said in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, right? And we said that that word, Greek word there is what? Logic. A logic is the way of thinking, right? It's his thoughts, his mind, the way he processes things. Am I right? Okay. Now, there's a story that was told. I, I don't remember it exactly. I mean, moderate about a certain lady who um, would cook and then Let's, let's use maybe sausages. I mean, it's an American story, but I mean, you, you fry the sausage and let's imagine it's a very long one and then usually the lady will cut it at the end so, and then fry it. I don't remember the story exactly. And then one day the husband asked and said, why are you always cutting this thing? And she said, that's the way we have been cutting it since. So he said, who did you learn it from? Your mother. He said, all right. So they went to ask the mother. The mother said, that's the way we have been cutting it since. Who did you learn it from? My mother. So they went to the grandmother. The grandmother said, ah, in our day, our frying pan was very small. <laughs> so the reason we're cutting it was so that it can fit into the frying pan. You people have big frying pan now. You can fry everything. Now, in essence, people were doing things based on a logic that has been transferred to them without thinking it through. They were just doing things. And I want to show you the vital importance of uh, a fellowship, a relationship with God. He says, the word of God is the logic of God. It's the way God thinks. It's the way he processes things. How many of you have related with someone so long enough and then you start thinking like them? You listen to somebody so long enough, you start interpreting Bible like them. You know people have their ways of interpreting scriptures. They have a, a way they interpret scriptures. You start finding yourself saying, oh, this is what this person would have said. You get married to somebody and then you find out that you're thinking like them. You realize that, oh, their thought patterns have now become your thought pattern. He says the word of God is the way God thinks. Now, here's the mistake many people make. We read the Bible for revelation. The Bible, there's nowhere in the scriptures where it tells you to read the scriptures for revelation. Revelation is a byproduct of reading it. But that's not the primary purpose of reading it. It is so that his logic becomes your logic. Listen, what is the proof that a child has become mature? That you don't have to instruct him every time. Now, here's the mistake Christians make. We think that for us to be led of the Spirit means that at every point in time, the Holy Spirit is instructing you. That's not the case. How many of you want, I mean, you told your child, every 26th of the month, these are the payments you should make. This is how we do it and address. How many of you want your child to come back every 26th of the month and ask, should I? Should I? Should I not? How many of you remember when you started learning to drive? They told you, okay, this is the side of the road. That is that side of the road. We are left, we are right. Is it left or right? We are in this country. We are, we are middle-handed. Um, <laughs> And when you see this, this is what it means. If you see that, that is what it means. How many of you remember when you started driving that you had all of these things running in your head? As you're driving, you're like, okay, if I turn, okay, this is how to turn. Okay, so which of these ones do I press? You remove your, okay, it's this one. But after a while of driving, what happens? You don't think about it again. It's become a part of you. How many of you remember when you started learning to knot ties? You had step one to seven in your mind. You go this way, you talk, okay. Do you not, eh? Okay. You go this way, you talk it in this way, you do it this way, you pull it this way, and then you go, oh, I missed that step. But how many of you can pick up a tie now, and, and you've not, you, you have it, and you're like, here's the tie. What happened? At some point, you interacted with the information, and it became a part of you. 
Here's what God wants to do with us. And never forget this. The more you interact with his word, the more your natural, ordinary decisions will lead to purpose. This is important. We have over-spiritualized this thing. Which means, if I will consistently feed on his logic, his logic will become my natural logic. Which means I will naturally take the steps that he will take if he were in my situation. I will naturally follow the path that he will follow. In my Let me give you an example. I remember years ago, there was a preacher in this country who says that for you to be in ministry, you must have a vision. I did not have any vision. And I always second-guessed myself. Like, ah, I didn't have a 26-hour vision. So how do I know I am called? And the efficacy of your ministry is the efficacy of your call. I mean, and so we had all those things growing up in the faith, and I wondered until I realized that, listen, you don't even need a vision. If that happens, thank God. But the way God has designed us to work is that your natural decisions should become his own decisions. You have fellowshiped so much with the word that when you take, now hear this, when you begin to go wrong, that's where that witness comes in and says, no, 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 don't go this way. Don't do this, don't do that. But your natural decision should be his. Think about it. Do you realize that the burning bush experience that Moses had, sorry, Jesus being baptized in the wilderness, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Do you realize that it was after that that Jesus went to fast and pray 40 days? It was not before. It was not his fasting and prayer that made him hear, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. It was after he heard that that he went to ascertain the plans. In essence, he knew what God wanted him to be and do, and then he went back to pray about it. And this is what I tell people. You have a sense in your heart what it is exactly God wants you to do. You already have a sense. If you fellowship consistently with the word, it will cut off all your personal excesses. It will cut off all those things, and then you find out that your conscience can become a guide for his plan for your life. Glory to God. So what do we do? Spend time in the word. Spend time in the word. Stop asking what is my purpose. Spend time in the word. And as you follow the dictates, I mean the leadings in your heart, as you follow those things, you'll realize that naturally you're walking in the center of his will for your life. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Now, I know folks who say go pray three days and three nights and then God will show you something. For the most part, that's not how it comes. For the most part, it's simply the little steps you take that compound in your life to become his will for your life. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Did you get anything this morning? You're sure? Okay. Let me tell you a last one. People have asked, how, how then, I mean, particularly when you want to make decisions and all this and all this and all this. Let me give you an example. When I was going, going to um, ministry years back as a young man, and then um, Pia has asked that I should pray for people who have a sense um, of calling to the ministry. I remember years back, and this is what we're told, that if you have a call to ministry, you're going to suffer. I don't know how many of you have heard that before. And so a lot of people are running away from God because, no, I can't suffer. I don't plan to suffer in this life. And so I remember that I had gone to see a certain man who said to me, and this is important, he was at Badagri, an apostle of God. He's late now. And I'd gone to see him, and he said to me, he said, be careful to take up ideologies that are not God ideologies. It's not written anywhere that you will suffer. You don't have to believe that. 
I was trained as a medical doctor, and I mean, I had a wonderful life set before me. If I was not even wealthy, I'll be average. And then I'll write plab and go to UK. I mean, it was set, I was fine. And so one day I remember I was praying, and I'll never forget this. I pictured with the eyes of my mind a wonderful home. Wealthy doctor coming back home. And then I pictured the worst possible in ministry. And I'll never forget this. When I looked at this other one, medical practice, beautiful. I didn't have peace in my heart. I looked at this other one. Didn't look so glamorous or anything. But this was what my heart was at peace with. And I realized that this is what you're going to do with your life. I didn't have no vision. I didn't have no vision from heaven. But I followed the path of peace. And now I'm in the center of his will for my life. Stop over-spiritualizing it. Take your fellowship with God serious. And then you'll find out that every step will compound into God's purpose for your life. Praise God forevermore. Let's bow our head to pray. Let's bow our head to pray. I'm just going to pray very quickly in the next one minute. I've been asked to pray for those who have a sense in their heart of a call to ministry. If there's anybody like that here, you know that the Lord has an assignment for you, particularly ministerially. Can you please wave your hands to it, heaven, wherever you are, and let me pray with you. I'm going to pray that clarity will come to you, that instructions will come to you by the Spirit of God. All right, I can see those hands all over the room. Please lay that hand on your chest and I'm going to pray with you. Every other person, if you have a prayer language, just pray in the spirit where you are. I mean, just worship the Lord and give Him praise and thank Him where you are. Give Him praise where you are. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray for everyone who has a stirring in their heart. Everyone who's hearing me, listening to me, there's a stirring in your heart concerning God's assignment over your life. I pray for you that even this morning, God would bring you clarity. He would bring you accuracy and precision in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray for you that your steps will be in step with His. I pray for you that your decisions will be in step with His in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I declare that the doubt and the fear is gone from your heart. Your heart is filled with faith and you're stepping out to do what God has asked you to do. As you walk on the water, you shall not sink in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We give you praise and we thank you. Blessed be your holy name. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for having me this morning. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.